At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. I am your host, Shane Bacon. I've got some uh, exciting news this week, if you have seen it on social media, don't know how involved you are on social media. Maybe you check it every second. Maybe you never check it at all. I have uh, joined my friends at Ping Golf as an ambassador, and not just as an ambassador. I'm very proud of that title and excited about it. But also, I'm jumping into a new project with Ping, and it involves podcasting. So if you're sitting here listening to this at the gym or in your car or at work, and all you're thinking is, man, I'd love to hear this guy's voice on my phone more often. I've got incredible news. Uh, we're starting a new podcast with our friends at Ping called the Ping Proving Grounds Podcast. And it's out now. First episode is available where you get your podcast. So go download that right now. I'm doing it with Marty Jertson, who works at Ping. But Marty's story is a very deep one in and around the game of golf. And that's why I had Marty on this episode that you're listening to right now. Because I wanted to get to know Marty a little bit more. I wanted you guys to get to know Marty a little bit more and, uh, Hopefully, both of those things will get you more interested in what we're going to be doing with the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. So do me a favor. These podcasts are free. You, you've been listening to them for, I don't know, days, months, years, who knows. It's free. You get it on your phone. You don't have to pay a single cent for it. All I ask is you go download the new podcast and give it a try. I think you're going to be a fan of it. I think it's going to, A, help you play golf better, which is something we're all looking to do. And I think it's going to simplify golf by trying to uncomplicate the complicated. So those are two things that I think every golfer is going to be into. And as you listen to today's podcast, you're going to understand what I'm talking about because Marty's an incredibly smart guy who's been working on this for the latter part of 20 years. And when you're doing it for 20 years, it's going to make a lot more sense as you get deeper into the experiment. So uh, shout out to Marty. Shout out to my friends at Ping. Uh, You know, I, I... Went to school in Arizona, down in Tucson. I moved to Phoenix, and when I, as as you've heard and as you'll hear on this podcast, when I got into blogging online, Ping was one of the first brands that not just embraced me, but opened the doors to me, made me feel important. I know, which is a a hard thing to do, you know, to a young person when a brand is as established as Ping is. They made me feel like I mattered when I'd go, and they would, you know, work with me to 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 write up reviews. This was back when, you know, like you're writing up 400 words about something and blogging it, and then, you know, it's it's going away in a couple of days. So it's been a, a brand that I've been close to for a long, long time, and I'm very honored to be a part of it. Uh, just had a couple of observations about the PJ Championship. I was there for the week. If you caught my ESPN Plus coverage on Featured Holes, I appreciate that, or even my On the Range show with my friends at CBS. Uh, I was live when the block ace happened. And I know we are now on Friday after the PGA and Michael Block has played, you know, in the in the Charles Schwab event on the PGA Tour. I don't know what he shot today. Uh, I was out on the golf course, but I've almost seen a bit of backlash for the popularity of this guy because obviously he's been on everything and he's been interviewed everywhere. And this is my point on what has happened is, yes, 
we will drive a storyline into the ground if it's if it's if we know it's going to bring eyeballs and interest to it. And you've seen that across, you know, Good Morning America and the Today Show and every golf outlet out there. He's been on some podcasts. Here's my point on why it's good. There are a lot of negative things that we focus on in this world. Politics is heavy. And it can, you know, ruin your day. It can ruin your week. It can ruin your year. Um, The news can be extremely negative a lot of the time. This is not a negative story. And so even if it feels like at times it's getting overexposed, at least it's a positive story that's getting overexposed. So I think we should embrace what's happening with Mr. Block. Uh, Even if it feels like you're seeing and hearing him all the time, it's a positive. It was a positive thing that happened at Oak Hill. How he played and what he did and the things he said were very positive. And it's something that we shouldn't be frustrated by or annoyed by if it feels like it's getting overdone. Because, again, in, in its essence, it's a positive. Um, so I'm all in on block mania. I hope it continues. I think it's such a cool story. We don't get this that much in sport. We don't get it in any other sport. There's no other sport where the block story could happen. So let's have a little bit of fun with it over the next few weeks and at least enjoy the positivity around golf. Uh, my only other thing is I was I was hard on Brooks Kepka. I, I was hard on him on the show I did at Golf Channel. Um, I've been hard on him on podcasts at times. I talked a lot about his Sunday struggles in these major championships. I think a lot of it stemmed from what happened in 2019 at the Masters. He had a real opportunity to catch Tiger there, and he missed both putts on the 71st and 72nd holes. Very makeable birdie putts. And I think that rattled his confidence a little bit. Um, this guy has has found it again. And maybe he never lost it. He probably didn't. But a lot of players lose it. I wrote about this for the Friday newsletter. I uh, hope you guys read what I wrote on the Wednesday um, issue there. And if you didn't, maybe go back and check that out. But I wrote about belief in yourself as a professional golfer and how important that is. And for Kepka to have the struggles he had at Harding Park and even at Bethpage 21, he's played some pretty miserable final rounds over the last couple of years. You think about the Open Championship when Shane Lowry won. I think he bogeyed his first four or five holes with a chance to catch him. An outside chance at that, but a chance to catch him. I think he shot as the second worst score on Sunday at Harding Park of anybody that made the cut. And that was after those comments he made about Dustin Johnson. And, you know, there's only one guy up there that's won, won majors and it's, he's only won one. And, of course, those comments got dissected. Uh, we saw him struggle even at the FedEx Cup. I think when Rory won his second, Kepka had a real opportunity there to be healthy A, but to lean back on that belief that has, you know, won him four majors and now five is not the easiest thing to do because confidence gets rattled, especially in this sport, and it can go away. And I was just so impressed with not just the way Brooks Kepka played on Sunday, but the comments he made headed into that final round and the belief he had in himself. It's a rarity in sport and it's a rarity in golf. And this dude believes in what he does and believes in his team and believes in his coaches and his caddy as much, if not more, than anybody that plays professional golf right now. And it shows in his game. And a lot of people are talking about the number. What could he get to? I keep circling that Tom Watson number. I think eight is a realistic opportunity and a realistic number for Brooks Kepka if he stays healthy I think eight is within reach and I didn't think we'd get there when we started to see this drought from Rory McIlroy I didn't think there'd be a modern player that could even think about getting to eight major championships and I think there's a realistic chance that Kepka could get to eight it's going to be very tough he's won five he's got to win three more three majors is a lot but I think it's out there, and I think the way he thinks about himself and the way he goes about his business at these major championships, I think could extend him to 
the Tom Watson number, which is absolutely incredible considering the depth of talent right now on the PGA Tour and the fact that he was hurt during a real prime of his career. So that's the number I'm thinking about. Uh, A big thanks to my friends at Ping. A big thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, I urge you to go check out the Ping Proving Grounds podcast, and you're going to want to download it now after listening to this interview with Marty Jertson. I'm very happy to be joined by Marty Jertson. I, I don't know if you know Marty, a uh, hell of a player, really, really good golfer. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, has created golf clubs for Ping that you've used. A great visionary, if you will. Um, awesome dude. Marty, I want to start. Uh, I, I don't want to call this bragging about myself, but I thought you'd get a kick out of this. I just, I'm literally wearing my golf clothes. I just got off the golf <laughs> course today. Um, played a played a course here in Connecticut. And I had my new ping irons in the bag. And for anybody listening, this isn't made up. I'm not here to, you know, say stuff that didn't happen. Hold a wedge today from 125. Nice. Um, I think it was about the third swing I'd ever made with the 50 degrees. That was exciting. And then I almost, I was an inch away from a hole in one with my six iron. So come on. That was my first ever swing with a six iron. And Marty, I'm nervous that. I don't want to be negative here as a golfer. We're always negative, but I don't know if I'm ever going to make a better swing. It was the first swing out of the gate with a six iron. And, uh, and I'm like, am I, how am I ever going to make a better move than that? It was literally uh, like a roll away. Love it. That means we got your color code dialed in. Perfect. Shane. You, well, uh, you talked about that with putters. Like you better go out, you better go out and, and you roll in that first, like six, eight footer. That thing better go in. So for people that don't know or you haven't seen, um, we have started a new podcast uh, with our friends at Ping called the Ping Proving Grounds Podcast. It's going to be myself and Marty bringing you, you know, kind of insights into the game, trying to simplify some of the complicated stuff. Uh, We've recorded a couple of episodes already. We've got a lot of good ideas on the horizon. Not just going to be dissecting, you know, the intricacies of golf. We're going to do some interviews with some Ping players and professionals and some people in and around the brand. We already have a saw hit the gala interview that we knocked out that I think people are going to be big fans of, but Mm -hmm. very exciting. First episode is out there. So, you know, make sure you go and subscribe and download uh, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to this. But Marty, I I just figured that as much as we're going to be talking about ourselves and what we do on that podcast, I wanted listeners of this podcast to get a feel for who you are and what you have done. So uh, let's get into that. Who is Marty Jertson? What have you done? Oh. How did you get into golf? When did you start playing? Let's let's start with the journey. I mean, when when were you? When did you kind of feel like you first caught the bug? Yeah, I mean, Shane, it was uh, like I learned playing golf from my dad. He was a lefty like you, nice. And so I like I tried to mirror his golf swing, you know, back in the day. So I grew up in a little small town playing golf, and that's what kept me busy all summer. My parents would drop me off at the course on the way to work and pick me up on their way home, and. My brother and I'd be out there, lose a little nine hole course. We'd go around that thing, 45 holes in, in one day, you know, hop in the pool in between. And, uh, I just kind of grew up, spend my summers playing golf and yeah, to kind of, that's, that started the journey. Where, where'd you grow up? What, what part of the country? Globe, Arizona, like a little small mining town, two hours east of Phoenix. And if we ever had a junior tournament or anything, it was two to two and a half, <laughs> three hours drive to get to my little Straight junior Straight west, tournament. head to Phoenix. Um, <laughs> exactly. How was your brother? I mean, was it like competitive when you guys were young? Was he as good as you are? Yeah, you know, now I have two young kids and I see the younger one just trying to, just trying to yep. scrap it out to hang with the older one. That was me for sure. He was always a little better than me, but then maybe 12, 13, 14 year olds, years old, 
you know, I was like the motivated little younger brother. I surpassed him in the golfing skill and, uh, and, uh, he's never been able to catch me. <laughs> and you, I mean, you played, you know, competitive high school golf and obviously you went and played collegiate golf. So yeah. when did you see those signs starting to show that you were maybe better than, you know, the younger people in your area or in your town? When did you start to realize that you might have potential in the game? Yeah, I think probably Shane, it was like my, maybe my junior year of college is I had a really good year. I think I won like six tournaments, six okay. out of 10 tournaments that year or something. And I just like, it just all clicked for me. I played in the USGA public links that year. I won the Colorado state stroke play. I remember beating like Kevin Stadler and some of these guys in that tournament. And I was like, I still didn't feel, it was kind of like that interview we did with Saheed. I was like, I still didn't feel like, I don't know. I was that that is good as them, even though I just beat them, you know? Uh, but I think that was around the time frame where I was like, yeah, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should double down on this as a, is a athlete side, not just experiment with this game. And, and, and that was around the time. I'm always interested in the journey to professional golf for people that, that do it because, you know, we, we, and I talk about like golf media collective, you know, we spend a ton of time talking about Victor and Rory and Tony mm -hmm. And Jordan Spieth and John Rahm in that world. And those pros have made it. I mean, their lives are forever made. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of professional golfers that's journey didn't end up on the PGA Tour. I mean, you've played totally. PGA Tour events, you've played major championships. When you went to college, when you decided to give collegiate golf a go, at what point in that journey did you think when these four years are over? I'm going to probably give the professional golf world a try, Ooh, man. That was not even on my radar when okay. I was going into college. Right. It was only, it was only that time frame where I got a little bit better and spend those summers up in Colorado where I could practice a lot in the summer. And I was a caddy at uh, castle pines. I was a four caddy. So I'd go down there and I'd, I'd work early in the mornings. Then I go play and practice at my course up in Colorado. It was only till that junior senior year where I started to get more serious about, Hey, maybe I should, maybe I can hang, maybe I should give this a go. And then that's what I did right after college. But, uh, that didn't, that didn't last too long, Shane. I was one of those broke mini tour players scrapping together money from my aunts and uncles. And I'm so grateful for everything they did to, uh, you know, Hey, you know, you need, you need some capital out there if you're going to play the mini tours. And so, uh, I was fortunate to have a few backers, but nothing like some of these kids coming out nowadays. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I had a moment I was working. It's so funny. I mean, you, you worked at a golf course and you're, you know, trying to grind on the, on the back end. I did the same thing in Scottsdale. I worked at true North yeah. outside service after college. And I remember it, it was somebody telling me that they thought I was good enough. It wasn't me believing that I was good enough. It was a conversation I had with a, a friend of mine that now is a head pro at a really nice club out here in the Northeast that I saw last year for the first time in years. But I remember I was playing nine holes, and it's such a confidence. I wrote about this um, in the Friday newsletter this week about belief and Brooks Kepka and how he just feel, it feels like he has this level of belief that not all pros have, and I think the greats yeah. have it and the goods might not always have it. But yeah. I feel like I needed someone to help me. I think I needed somebody to say, your skill set is as good as these guys you're working with and trying to play as well. And that was kind of the moment that I decided to give it a run. D did you have did you have anything in that sphere where you felt like it was either a finish, it was a result, it was a win, it was playing with someone that complimented your own golf game that maybe boosted that confidence that maybe you didn't quite have? 
Well, I would say, Shane, if I fast forward to my professional, when I, when I got my PGA of America, when I became a member and I had my dream after, you know, kind of quote unquote retiring from professional golf and going to the working world was, man, I want to play in one PGA tour event. I was that, that was like, became my life's dream. I want to, I want to play inside the ropes and play in one PGA tour event. And I got my class A and I played the very first qualifier for the Shriner sewer event in Vegas, windy day. It's out at the Paiute winds blowing 35 miles an hour. Like it can do in Vegas. I absolutely pured it and shot 66 and got in one for one <laughs> in, in the, and then I, and then I played in the event and I, my ball striking was really good. My putting was pretty good, but it was like grainy. And the, the tournament there is the lowest up and down percentage of any tour event. It's like grain fall offs, very grainy. So if you hit a lot of greens, not a problem, but I remember my short game was terrible. <laughs> and I went to go see a, a longtime ping player, Gabe Yerstead. And so I took, went to go take lessons from him and we were working on my chipping. And I remember him saying, Shane, you talk about those moments. He got, we got to this one spot with a huge fall off the greens pitched up there, tucked tight. And he goes, Marty, he goes in and he said in his like Swedish accent, he goes, this is the shot you're going to need for the mages. And he said that, and I hit this sweet flop shot up there and it sucked back and, and stayed tight. And that one thing he told me, like actually helped me get into the majors, right? It was that one moment. And he was that like injection of confidence that you had, right? Yeah. I mean, just, again, it's so funny that, that golfers don't believe in their own game. And I mean, this isn't just, you know, yeah. you know, guy that tried to play and is now obviously playing at a level of golf that a lot of us don't reach or guy that tried to play in, in, in my world that never made it. And now is kind of chasing the, the mid am life. But I mean, I've yep. talked to PJ tour players, you know, we've had conversations on this podcast when I was doing it with max about believing yeah. in yourself and, and, uh, and a little bit kind of to tease that the gala conversation. I mean, he, he talks a little bit about that in our conversation with him about the self-belief oh, and how, amazing. you know, you're talking about a top, what is he probably top 50 player in the world right now in terms of world ranking. And yep. this is a guy that even said on the podcast, there are shots that I hit that are the worst shots I see any professional hit. And this is a guy that has already, he, they signed that. I mean, the check sign, like you got the job, you know, you don't have to exactly. come in and do the resume again. So you gave it a run. It didn't work out. You mentioned getting your class a, but now how old are you, Marty? Uh, 42. So you're 42. How many, how many PGA tour events have you played in? Your goal was to play in one. How many major championships have you played in? Oh man. So I played in a total of, I think 11 or 12 PGA tour events. I played in the Shriners in Vegas, I think four times Phoenix open once from winter section championship, five PGA championships, including three in a row there from 18, 19 to 20. And then one us open at Wingfoot 2020. So it's uh man, it's been fun, Shane. I'll tell you what, after, after I, Got in my first PGA Tour event. Then my goal was to play in a major, right? That was my next goal. And I'm so glad I played in Vegas before that first tee shot of, of uh, the PGA Championship at the Atlanta Athletic Club. And then I played in a few of those. And then I had, and then I adjusted my goal in my live stream again. It was to play the weekend in a major. Like that became like I was on a mission. I want to be, I don't, I, you know, it's kind of like Michael Block, man. I just don't want to show up there. I want to go out there and, and play the weekend. I want to compete. I know I can hang with the big with the big boys. And so that that every time I 
you know, kind of accomplish something. I just kind of leveled it up. Okay, now I want to do this. Okay, now I want to do that. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So you mentioned Michael Block, and I think, you know, what we saw at the PJ Championship this past weekend was incredible, and it was so much fun mm. to, to call some of the shots. I mean, I got a, was lucky enough to call the hole-in-one live he made when he flew it in the hole. Amazing. It was so wild <laughs> doing featured holes there for ESPN+. Plus. And he's like, did that go in? I think it was my call. Like, and I just kept Jeez. elevating it up because I couldn't believe he made it. Um, his The biggest gap for him when you kind of watch him and look at his stats is obviously distance. I mean, he's 46 yeah. years old. What do you see when you play in these majors? And I know you you told me a great story. I think it was Wingfoot when you played with Luke List. But what's been the biggest when you play with the pros on their turf? What do you feel like is the biggest difference in your game versus their game? Or maybe what's the gap, I'd say, in terms of what you're quote-unquote missing? Yeah, I think the I think the big thing for me was and I guess I guess becoming again because the tour is getting so much younger and the athletes are getting so much better was distance. I mean, okay. and distance and just generally driving of the golf ball. I think that is that is something that is just so phenomenal. The guys hit it so relatively far and relatively straight, like their percent offline. That's why I look at it with my with my engineering brain. Like their percent offline is very small. Like they don't hit. They don't seem to hit a lot of the cuckoo shots that go way offline, right? They they miss it, but their win their misses are tight, and then they just hit it really far. That was in, that's kind of how I did my turnaround, which got me on the path to making the cut, playing the weekend at Bethpage was indeed playing with Luke List. That was an eighteen at at Bell Reve, the one where Tiger and Kepka battled it down the stretch there in St. Louis. St. Louis fans were unbelievable, by the way. I know exactly why they go there. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, he was hitting it literally 50 to 60 yards by me. And I was kind of, I would say my swing was sneaky short at the time. Like I didn't have an extra gear. And so from 18 to 19, I did a lot of things to add more distance. And that, that, uh, got me over the top. Like I got to hitting it, you know, at least PJ tour average, if not a little bit further. Uh, I think the average has moved up since then. <laughs> so, you know, I'm probably about PJ tour average, but driving the golf ball, is phenomenal. I mean, the, the way those guys drive the ball. So you talked about distance and uh, I want to get into your journey within ping as well. But since you're talking about this, I mean, you're not quite giving yourself the amount of credit I think you deserve. It's not just that you improved your distance. It's that you created a system and a business to help everybody with their distance. I mean, people have heard of the company you started. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, me, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Shane, because I think the, the, what's unique about me is that I think I, I, I try to create pro like real products for the golf world based on a lot of it, my own like frustration, right? Yep. Like, okay, man. Uh, like I didn't, I didn't know how to hit the ball farther. What is the most efficient and I'm a working guy. So I'm like, I don't have a lot of time to put into this either. So what is the like most efficient way to gain club head speed? So at ping, we were, we're fortunate to have a lot of the brand ambassadors, engineering ambassadors, they consult with us. So, you know, this guy in Canada, Dr. Sasha McKenzie, he's like, 
we kind of call him the savant of speed. He's the okay. one who's helped coach, literally coach Matt Fitzpatrick to go from short to long, won the U.S. Open. And the same kind of solution we I used to kind of help me get over the hump to achieve my live stream, which was ma- like me making the cut at Bethpage is like Matt Fitzpatrick win the U.S. Open. You know, I mean, I'm your everyday working guy. So, yeah, we created a product called the Stack, uh, which is like it's kind of like the Peloton for speed training. So it's like one club, 30 combinations, has a bunch of weights. And then the coolest part is we made an app that's kind of like having Sasho's brain do your training. So it tells you exactly what weight to put on, has 30 different resistance levels. You do a baseline session and it's literally Sasho's brain, which is all his years of research of overspeed, overload training for golf to train your club head speed. And Shane, it's really cool. It's like magic because it just works. Like you only have to do it every couple days you do it two to three days a week it takes like 20 minutes the app tells you everything so you don't need to worry about like knowing what to do or watching videos or what or what have you and in six weeks like folks gain like six to eight miles an hour club head speed you know it's pretty magical i mean this is i mean i mean fitzpatrick used the stack system right i mean that was something that he was literally using to to work on the speed training that gained him distance. So what we saw at the country club, he's paired with Dustin Johnson. He's hit it past him. He hit it past him. Yeah. So, so Matt's been doing it for a long time. He did, he did it before the U S open. He did it pretty religiously for about 18 months. And then once you gain the speed, we even have protocols in, in there. And this is what Matt does. We could Sasho could, we have this solution for the golf coaches out there where you can follow your players. So Sasho has all his tour players on the app and he's following Fitzpatrick and he got two workouts in the week of the U S open. So Sasha says to Matt and to his players, like, Hey, once you gain the speed, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You got to nurture it and you got to maintain it. So Matt definitely does that. I think there was a cool clip of him on the range this year uh, at the masters doing his speed training right there on the range at the majors. He's doing it at the PJ championship. So it's pretty cool. We got tons of tour players doing it and a lot, a lot on the corn Ferry tour. That's up. They're just crushing the stack. All right. So, so stack system is, was kind of later in your, we'll call it your career early in your career. Obviously you get a job at ping. Can you talk yep. us through that journey? Where were you with your golf? when you maybe decided to make a bit of a transition? Yeah, it was uh, the broke mini tour player, went to Q school, and I just felt a lot of pressure, Shane, to be honest with you. It was like, oh, this is my one shot, you know, and Q school was down at Rio Rico. Are you married? Do you have kids yet? I mean, at this point? Not at all. Okay, okay. Just totally just just putting putting everything into golf. (laughs) This is my only terror in the world. And actually, I think that kind of hurt me. Cause it was like too much, you know, yep. like, Oh, I got, you know, scraping together some money, putting it all in this Q schools down at Rio Rico, not too far from your place I, down there. Listen, I've played it. <laughs> I've played it. It's a bit goofy. I've played Rio. Exactly. Rico. So we're down there and I'm with like Jeff Quinney and some of these ASU guys are playing and my confidence was, I was a little frazzled. There's too much pressure. Didn't do good, but you know, end of story. I didn't do good. Didn't make it through the first stage. And at that point, it's kind of like, Hey, should I keep doing this or not? And I think with my, mathematical mindset i kind of looked at the odds of making it to the tour probabilistically and i was like can i do it yes but i think i better go get a job (laughs) and so i kind of threw a friend of a friend got in the door at ping and started working part-time to be honest with you kind of working in the manufacturing engineering group and that's right around when the g2 driver came out and that driver 
put ping on the map from a driver standpoint remember that g2 so my first job was working on like our assembly line trying to do all the the little process engineering so we can like crank out as many of those as we did through through our engineering group and then i started shadowing under some of the designers and learning the trade like kind of being their helper i kind of was an apprentice and I got to learn a lot of those little nuances of the design. And I got really interested in the physics of it. I was able to help work on shafts and grips. I got I got interested in the whole thing, not just like the head design. Gotcha. Like the whole the whole club. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole system. The whole system, what went into it, and just kind of kept opening up all these little doors of like research, R and D and just solving problems. So did you have like a degree in this? I mean, was this something that when you were a kid, you were, you were building things that, you know, I mean, cause it feels like, and again, we'll get into deeper into what you've done at ping, but it feels like this would be very hard to just break into. Yeah. So my degree is in mechanical engineering, but it's not like, like, yeah, so, so kind of on the path. <laughs> yeah. It's on the path. Like, you know, I think we've always been asked like, Hey, is there a school that teaches like club design engineering? Right. Of course. It's not really a thing. It's like the industry is too small. You know, my school was about how to find, do fracking and explore oil and gas, get it out of the ground and <laughs> refine it. You know, that's what my school is about, but and build the machines to do it. So, so yeah, no, I had the, I had the mechanical background, from school but to be honest with you Shane you get in the industry I mean you have to learn everything on the job yep. you know and so that's what ping in our culture is all about is we have this like eh, you can kind of look at it like an internal wikipedia where we have all our collective knowledge we put it in this knowledge system and we incentivize our employees or other engineers to contribute to the internal wikipedia and that just feeds our innovation because the the learning never stops. And then they like you, you answer one question, it opens the door to five more. Right. And, and that will just continue to keep happening, which is really cool. So going back to my story, yeah, no, I was a mechanical engineer in college, but I never really thought, Hey, I want to, I could even do club design. I didn't even know what the working world was like, man. Right. <laughs> so, so you go from, I'm going to shadow these people that are building golf clubs and that are you know, providing solutions to the golfer. How do you go from I'm in this camp yeah. to I'm going to be the person that starts to build things out? Because you have, you've put your fingerprint on a lot of golf clubs that are some of the most popular that Ping has ever designed and, and put out there on the market. How do you transition to, can you guys give me a shot at this? Yeah, I think it was my, you know, you kind of kind of shadowed under some of the other designers. And at some point it's like, okay, you know enough to take on your own project. And that was a huge deal because at that point, you're the chief engineer of that product. Yep. And you're making all the decisions, you're taking on the risk, you're presenting your designs. I remember kind of my first one project was the Rapture hybrid, this kind of swoop back hybrid that lowered the CG, but it was multi-materials, very complex. It had like a tungsten sole plate that was welded, had a carpenter high strength face. We had to make sure we could lofted lie it in the tour van. So I'm building molds for that. So it was actually for my first project, like for the, you know, this was, this was, you know, 17, 18 years ago, it was kind of pushing the technology envelope, you know? And, and so you're having to take that risk. And so there's just a ton of pressure on you being like the chief engineer on one project. So, you know, but once I got that one under my belt and it went pretty good in the, in the marketplace, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to do a fairway wood next. And then the biggest thing was graduating to doing a driver. 
Like that's where there's just the most on the line. It's like the PGA tour of design. It is absolutely the PGA yeah. tour of design. There, there's, there's the most intensity, the most spotlight. You can, you can deliver the biggest gains to the golfer, which is the most fun, but uh, it's just the most complex by an order of magnitude. Uh, you've told this story on Pink Proving Grounds podcast. Make sure you download and subscribe if you will. But can you uh, tell the story about when the when the hybrid came out and, and you'd go in like the the golf stores around town? Oh, yeah, absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it was uh, Rapture Hybrid. I remember when it w first went for sale. It's like, okay, whatever date it was, August 14th is going to be in stores. And I drove around to like three or four different shops around town. And I was like a secret shopper, you know, I'd be like, watch people checking it out. Then I go watch them hit it in the fitting bay. I remember watching somebody go buy it. And uh, <laughs> that was one of the coolest things, Shane. I Unfortunately, I don't get as like amped up if I work on, on something new in that regard. But it is so fun to see people playing good golf, enjoying golf more, having fun, gaining more speed if it's on the stack side, improving their putting on if they're using an ping or another fitting tool. It's fun to uh, – it, it is the most satisfying when you see golfers, customers uh, reaping, reaping the benefits of something you've worked on. Marty, something that I've been so impressed by watching you and listening to you and hearing you talk about it in terms of your job is and, – and I think the Stack System is a perfect example of this. And obviously some of the stuff that you guys have, some of the stuff we're going to talk about on the podcast is your interest in what you just said and those solutions for the golfer and – I feel like a lot of us have ideas. I mean, everybody has ideas. Everybody has a million dollar idea. Yeah. And it's the millionaires that go and execute those ideas. Yeah. And that's why they're millionaires. And you, I'm so impressed by you because what you've been able to do at Ping isn't just find a solution, but it's presenting stuff and it's finding all of these different solutions and different avenues and roads. It's apps it's <laughs> stack system that i know isn't a, isn't a pink product but you know i mean it's helping pink players get longer and to find distance and it's putting turbulators on a driver which is so weird to think about when you just kind of come up with the context a driver head looks like this what if we put these bumps on it but it's it's pushing that envelope all the time and i feel like that's one of your true skill sets isn't just having this great brain for everything but it's finding those solutions and actually chasing those solutions down yeah, I feel like that's been kind of my my role at Ping is to is to productize those things, right? It's it's, yep. it's to understand. And our team here, Shane, is is unbelievable. The amount of technical horsepower we have at Ping is phenomenal. And I feel like my little role here is to say, okay, here's all this cool technical stuff we know. Here's what we're observing with golfers and what's what their problems are, what frustrations. Like, how do we productize those things? How do we bridge the gap between those things? And yeah, it's been fun too. I've worked on so many things over the years. It's been quite fun, whether it's turbulators. I mean, I've worked on everything on product designs, grips, our dial-a-wedge grip, which I used to use to, as a kid growing up, our dial-a-grip to hip flop shots. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to move, I'm going to clock the face open this much. And boom, I brought, we brought the dial-a-grip back and put it on our wedges, longer length grip on wedges. Uh, fitting tools, apps, you name it. I mean, we haven't even gotten into Shane uh, uh, Baldamic. That's our uh, brand agnostic golf ball fitting solution. Yep. So yeah, no, there's there's just tons of things. And and uh, I I think I I often get asked like, well, aren't you guys close to the edge? When when's the when's the end? Can you even do anymore? And let me tell you, we're we are not even scratching the surface on being close to the finish line. Like there is so much more we can and will continue to do. And a lot of it's going to be powered by 
a lot of techno technology things and data things and stats tracking. We're going to be able to get more nuance right down to the, to the customer and optimizing product for them. Uh, personally, you mentioned goals of your own golf game. Where are we at now? Like what, what's the, what's the next golf goal of Marty Jurtson? Yeah, I want to get back. I want to, I want to get back. I want to play another major. That's for sure. I want to play another major, especially after seeing Michael Block, man, getting down in there on the weekend. Uh, and I want to keep my body and my game and my speed and my skills in shape. As we're all probably thinking about Shane, I'm sure you are too. You get to that like 45. Okay. You're only five years from the champions. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the phase I'm in is to keep my body in good shape, stay in good, good health fitness wise. Uh, keep my speed up. I want to play in a couple more majors for sure in my forties and then see what happens, uh, you know, on that, on that horizon, the big five Oh, that's not too far away. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I heard a story today from a phone call you had last week at the PGA championship with a one Victor Hovland. Can you, uh, mm. reveal what he, what he, what he, what he called and asked you? Because it's the, it might be the greatest question I've ever heard of pro asking, you know, someone that is, is not in the field and not even really on property. Yeah, no. And also somebody that lives in Arizona, by the way. Okay. So Victor kind of Victor and his coach kind of put me on the spot. I'm kind of doing some stuff with my kids around the house and I see a, what day is this? What this day is, is this? on Saturday and it's okay. raining. you you were there. I mean, it's raining cats and dogs out there. Yep. And the tea times are late. Obviously, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're teeing off in the last group, uh, like Victor Hovland was, and I spent some time with Victor early in the week. Uh, and we're talking about spin generation and his wedges he's using, how they're maintaining spin. We put some, we, we, I had him hit some chip shots where he teed the ball up to see how much more it would spin. So we're talking about friction, spin generation, water squeezing out of the grass and how that's going to influence <laughs> the spin and all this stuff. So anyways, it's Saturday morning. I'm doing some stuff with my kids and I see a, you know, my phone rings is Joe Mayo, which is his coach. And it's like an hour and some some change right before it's tea time, it, you know. And I'm like, okay, I better get this. So it's like, hey, hey, uh, Marty, Joe Mayo here. We're under the umbrella here on the range. And uh, Victor and I, I got Victor on speak. You're on speakerphone with Victor. We got some <laughs> questions for you about playing in the rain. What's the what's it going to do the spin? Uh, what's it going to do the ball flight? Like, what does he need to know? We don't have much time you know, go <laughs> so put, put me on the spot on Saturday morning. <laughs> so, so I mean, what'd you do? You just rattle off some numbers or what? We rattled off some stuff. I was like, okay, well you got, you know, this is why it's very important to keep the golf ball dry when you're teeing off. So practice your routine there with Shea on the range. You know, that's why you see the tour players. They're not keeping the player dry. They're keeping the golf ball dry. That's priority okay. number one. If when you're hitting a tee shot. So there's some, there's some things that happen when it's, when, when the ball's wet it changed and it, and it's different whether it's a long club or a, a like a long iron low lofted club or a high lofted club and victor wants to know all these little things okay so he's like okay what's going to happen on a four iron for example i said okay on a four iron if, if the ball's wet you're actually going to spin it more and he knew that which seems weird it seems like if you got moisture on the ball you'd spin it less but if it's on a long iron it spins more so there's a little nuanced thing that happens with the friction so you're going to get more spin, but I said, Victor, it's going to fly. Even though it's spinning more, he's like, oh, does that mean it's going to fly higher? I go, no, it's actually going to fly a little bit lower and a little bit shorter because of the impact on the aerodynamics. You're going to get more drag 
It's going to reduce the lift force. So you're going to fly a little bit lower, a little bit shorter. So we went over the specific numbers for him. This hour before hour before the, the final group at a major change. Oh, this is amazing. Exactly, Shane. And I'm like, after that phone call, I'm like, oh, man, I hope I don't see him on a part three. And he's like doing some calculations <laughs> and like hitting it way over the green because this information I told it's my him. fault. That's I was right. nervous. After that call, I was like, oh, man. I, I was like. So yeah. So anyways, I told him some stuff. I was like, does that match your experience? Because that's the whole key in this research we do is like it, it needs to match your observational experience, right? It's, it's the, when the research matches the, you know, whatever, whatever you experience out in real life, when those two things marry together, that, that means you're kind of onto something like two factor confirmation. So I made sure I did that with Victor. I was like, okay, have you seen that happen before? He was like, yeah. So we went over some sp very specific numbers for his game because we know his launch conditions, but this all ha happened in a matter of, you know, a five minute phone call right there when he's on the range. And then of course him and Joe are like, Hey, we're so sorry to bother you on a Saturday morning. You're like, you're actually good, man. This is like, uh, this is like, I'm now feel like I'm a part of this, uh, PGA championship third round. I feel like you probably were more invested in the round after that. Weren't you unbelievable? I was nervous. I was like nervous in a good way. I was like, okay. I, because it was like one of those things I felt like, you know, he might make, you know, I felt like I could give him an advantage, but just right. as easily I could, maybe he would overthink something and, and screw something up, you know, but, he, but he held his own. I mean, it was tough. It was obviously the whole week was tough, but he played great there on Saturday and, and uh, got himself right in contention there on Sunday, which was the goal. Had a chance. I feel like he, uh, I feel like it was a big step, at least in my opinion for Victor, because, oh, yeah. you know, we saw him at St. Andrews. He didn't play great in that final round with Rory. I mean, I feel like he yeah. played up until the bunker shot on 16. He was, he was playing right next to Brooks and it seemed like it was held really going to be man. anybody's you know, game those last par, those last three par fours. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, he hit in that bunker and it was, uh, totally. he got, you know, I mean, he got, <laughs> I mean, we, we saw, we saw it with Connors the day before. I mean, that bunker is uh, oh, not very man. nice. Uh, I know, and, and kill. but uh, I know before, before we go, uh, obviously we're both very excited for the podcast. Tell people what you feel like we're trying to get out of the ping proving grounds podcast as you know, we start to roll out these episodes. Yeah, Shane, I just, I, I'm very excited to be able to tell long form stories about like our, our proc development process, the technology that goes into our clubs, because a lot of times we're, we try to tell a very complex story and it all gets whittled down only to a little bite sized you know, thing you'd hear in our, right, it's like 30 seconds yep. here in our marketing content. So I just love the idea of just like this, just like this rain stuff, like what happens that, that we could, we could talk for hours on that, you know, that one little topic Yes. and how our finishes work. So I just love the idea of being able to tell long form, like go deeper on some topics, but also empower the golfer, right? I want the golfer to come away with more knowledge. That's going to help them make a better decision about their equipment, a made make a better decision about their equipment or B just play better golf. If you have like a little bit more knowledge and make it practical knowledge whether it's flyers, wind, golf ball. Hey, when you go in for a club fitting, look at this uh, metric on your launch monitor. Maybe don't pay attention to that one as much. It's just really empower the golfer and our, and our fitters out there with a lot of things that we do here at the Proving Grounds. And, and the more empowered they are, the better they're going to be picking the right equipment, enjoying, enjoying this great game that we all love. I, I've, I've, since you've been talking, I've, I've written on my little notepad here, water and face impact, because I want to get into that one episode. Oh, yeah. And I also, and I'm not going to do this here, because I don't want the information on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to save it for the Proving Grounds podcast. But I had a moment today. I had a downwind wedge. 
and I thought of you. Oh, yeah. And I said, I guarantee you Marty knows what to do with these shots because I think it's some of the hardest golf shots oh, to get outside of yeah. having, you know, some plug lie or something like that. A, a fairway shot, downwind wedge. I still, at 39 years old, don't exactly know how to play them. So I want to have an episode on literally just playing shots into the wind and how best to approach totally. those. And so those yes. are a couple of things I want to dive into. But, uh, Marty, I appreciate the time. This was great. Um, everybody, make sure you download the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. First episode is out, right, Marty? It's it's out and available? Yeah, it's out. It's a good little intro episode, Shane, where we talk about what we're going to talk about. Just get to know us a little bit. We did it at the Proving Grounds, yep. which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, we're going to have some fun stuff. I mean, we've already uh, – I think that interview we did with Sahih is going to be – that thing might break the internet, man. That 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 inter that podcast was so fun. So I'm look I'm looking forward to more and more content like that. Yeah, we're gonna have to get uh we're gonna have to get Vic Hov on at some point and, and ask him oh, if he's yeah. been FaceTiming anybody else an hour before a a, a third round <laughs> of the major championship. If it's just if that's if that's just for Marty Jertz and uh Marty, I appreciate the time. We'll chat soon, okay? All right, sounds good. All right, a big thanks to Marty. A big thanks to you guys uh, for listening. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Pink Proving Grounds podcast. Uh, rate and review both shows. I would prefer you do five stars. If you want to do four, I'm not going to hate on you. Four star is still very, very good, but I'd prefer five stars. Um, we're going to be back next week. I've got a fun guest for you guys, so check in on that. I hope you guys have a great weekend. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.